0: Welcome to Dad Up, the podcast show for dads about dads being dads. I'm your host, Brian Ward. Thank you for listening. If you are new to the show, I hope you enjoy listening. Please make sure you subscribe so you don't miss anything. My guest today on Dad Up is Dylan Chase. Dylan started rapping at the age of 14. Originally a product of a home with parents who struggled with alcohol and drug addiction, Dylan was destined for a life of struggling. But in 2004 by god's grace dylan turned from serving his own selfish ambitions and submitted to the will of god over time dylan began to use his gifts as a way to create a platform to proclaim the gospel in early 2007 dylan's life of servitude was seen and acknowledged through fellow christian rappers lecrae and show baraka thus inviting him to be part of one of their projects currently dylan continues to produce holy lyrics with a style and flair all his own emphasizing being a walking testimony off the stage as well as on the stage of God's glory and redemptive power. Since that time, Dylan's Christian rap career has taken him to new levels. Recently, he released his 10th album, and you can find all his music anywhere you stream music. As a dad of four kids, Dylan knows far too well just how important his guidance is to his kids. After being raised in a troubled home and ultimately ending up homeless, He never takes for granted what God has blessed him with, and he wants to make sure his kids are cared for and loved. Dylan shares a lot of his wisdom in this interview regarding his role as a dad, one of my favorite guests that I've had the pleasure to interview. Please welcome Dylan Chase to Dad Up.
1: I appreciate you being on the show today, brother. Oh, no, I appreciate the opportunity. I love talking about dad stuff, so it's cool.
0: Cool. Well, let's do this for my listeners that don't know much about you. Um... Tell me a little bit about your story, a little bit about your background. I'm kind of curious about it myself. You know, I kind of looked you up a little bit, but um, I'm kind of curious about it myself. So tell me a little bit about your story, kind of what you're doing now, and then also um, uh, about your kids, how many kids you have and all that.
1: Yeah. Well, my name is Dylan. I was raised outside of Dallas, Texas. Um, you know, and from an early age, I saw the uh, the effects of not having a healthy relationship with a dad. You know, unfortunately, both of my parents were addicts. So my mom is more of an alcoholic. My dad was more of a drug addict. But you know, they were codependent on each other, and, and so everything kind of mixed and mingled into just a big mess growing up. And so I always had this broken relationship um, with my dad and, and a troubled family life. I ended up leaving my house for the third time when I was 16 years old. I just didn't really feel completely safe, you know, in my house. And there was drug activity going on. Of course, I'm doing horrible in school. Um, You know, everything is just kind of falling apart. I go to live with my aunt for the third time in my life. I kind of showed up on her porch and man, by the grace of God, she took me in. But she was recently divorced. So there was no father figure in that home either. And I still, uh, you know, didn't know what that was supposed to look like. So what do we do? We kind of just close close that uh, off, that kind of void in our heart. We just close it off and say, well, I don't need it. You know what I mean? It's not needed. I don't, I don't need a dad. I don't need that father figure in my life. And so I just really grew into a really angry and bitter um, teenage boy, you know? Mm-hmm. And some things happened the summer of my junior year where I was no longer able to stay with my aunt and i kind of floated around from house to house i mean basically i i was homeless but i never had to spend the night on the street or anything i'd just go spend the night at a friend's house for a few days and then find another friend but you know my senior year started and i started running out of places i could stay the night at it was a little bit harder to swing during you know a school week to have a sleepover so two of my friends, uh, they were both brothers and they, they were both friends of mine. They approached their dad, you know, cause he's kind of like, Hey, why won't Dylan leave? You know, he's been here for th- three days. Why won't he go home? And they told him, Hey, he doesn't have a home. And man, they, they were nice enough to open up their home. And I'll never forget walking into their house. Um, my first week of my senior year of high school and their dad looking me in the, in the eye and say, Dylan, do you need a place to stay? And I was just kind of speechless at that point because it was, You know, I felt some sense of shame and embarrassment, and I don't even think I was able to give him an answer, you know. And he took me in, and boom, my world gets flipped and turned upside down because suddenly I see a strong male figure. His name was Dennis Dickerson Sr. He was one of those good dads that you knew loved you, but you also were a little bit scared of him. Um, He would throw away our gangster rap music. He would throw it in the trash. We would call our other friend to come pick it up out of the trash for us. And then the cycle would repeat. He would ask me hard questions. I remember one time coming home from school and he didn't quote this Bible verse, but pretty much he was asking me, What does it profit me to gain the whole world and lose my soul? And he loved his wife. Uh, He loved his kids. His kids respected him. They had a healthy reverence for their dad. And It was a great environment for me. But you know what? When you come from a place that's not functional, you don't do well with functionality. You almost crave dysfunction because that's the environment you're used to. to. So Mm -hmm. when I had an opportunity to get out of that household and go back and move with my aunt where I had more freedom, I didn't really have anyone looking into my life and what was going on. Um, I left. I left and went back and finished my school year with my aunt around this time. I've taken on the responsibility of being a dad. So I was a teenage dad. But that moment that I lived with that family, it stuck with me, not only from the sense of what a father could be, what a father was meant to be, but also they were a family of faith. Um, you know, they went to church. And so that started to weigh on my heart. And uh, next thing you know, you know, I had a pretty um, dramatic just experience of. Uh, putting my faith in Jesus and being born again. And suddenly there was this new power and new desires in my life to just want to honor God for this thing he designed called family and ended up marrying, you know, my high school sweetheart. We've been married now for 14 years and we have four children. So of course there's the anomaly Julian, who's 17 years old. And uh, then you have Malia at eight years old, Samara at five, and then our youngest, Josiah is three years old. So God is working in you when you didn't even know it. Exactly. Yeah. You kind of look back in retrospect and you start seeing all the telltale signs that wow God was really leading me to this place. Hmm. Well that's cool. Um how did you get how did you get into I mean, I know you probably a long history of, of music, but how did you get into um becoming an artist yourself? Yeah, you know, I always had this creative gift that God had given me. Um, and creativity, I always tell people that it was almost a survival instinct. You know, even going back to second grade, uh, not even realizing that, you know, seven-year-olds aren't supposed to, can't even really handle what I was going through. You know what I mean? But when you're, that's all I knew. So it wasn't until I had kids on my own and I looked at my daughter when she was seven years old and I just thought, oh my goodness, all the stuff I'd already seen at seven years old, you know, was so traumatic that I would do things like write stories, read a whole lot, that kind of transition into writing poetry. Middle school came around and rap was a cool thing. And so I started trying to write rap music. And then by the time I was in high school, I mean, I was really trying to, I was out there performing in some of the clubs and I was trying to put out my own music and, and sell it. So I was pretty like, this is what I want to do in my life. I want to be an artist. And so after, you know, my life switched and turned around and I was born again, I just kept kept making music. And except now my heart had been changed. So my music has started to change. And you know, back in 2005, I was going to church at the same church that McCray was going to and some of his friends who were already well along their way of being established as Christian artists. And so they kind of really helped model for me what it looked like to balance your faith and your music artistry. And so Mm -hmm. I kind of just took their, their pattern and how they were doing things and and went my direction with it. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Now you, uh, I I noticed you've got a song out that features McCray. Have you had the opportunity to uh, work with him? Yeah, so wow, you know, I have to say this, this is going back, you know what I mean? But my very first album, I had nothing. I had no connections. I had no access uh, to a studio and there was their studio it was in the back of the church. And man, Lecrae let me record at the studio for free. No uh, kidding. Guy, yeah, yeah. He even, uh, he produced probably half of my album and didn't charge me a dime. You know, I was wow. 20 years old and newly married and had a two-year-old kid. And so he said, man, you just pick what you want, let me know. And if no one else is using it, you can have it. And I, I couldn't be where I'm at today without that kindness and generosity. And so, yeah, we worked together way back then. And, and then um, I think the last time we worked together was like around 2012. We did a song called All About God. And then he he went to a whole nother, you know, one, they had relocated to Atlanta and then, man, he, he went to a whole nother arena of success and things like that. So, yeah. it's been a long time since we've, you know, been able to catch up. But yeah, that was super, super big during my foundation of getting started. Those guys helped me out so much. That's awesome. It's, it's those, it's those little, little, uh, little pushes that you get from, from, from your, uh, you know, I guess from the people that you look up to. Is there yeah. Pushes are, or- um, that that really uh, go a long way So that's cool Yeah, man. 14 years guys, later <laughs> Yeah, hopefully you guys can uh, reconnect soon Sure Well, cool um, So let's, you know, kind of segueing into the dad role um, You know, what do you What do you, you got you got four kids now What do you enjoy most about being a dad? What I enjoy most Would be the For me, right Coming from my background Is how redemptive being a dad has been for me Um, and that's when that when that light came on that I could give my kids something that I never had growing up dude that that just motivated me to just go all out just to go so hard as a dad right and and my relationship with my dad now is healed you know what I mean there's been forgiveness and there's love and respect there but man it's the redemptive aspect of it, right? That right. For, for some dads out there, what could be so enjoyable is you, you get to be a, a curse breaker, right? There might've been some hard situations on you growing up between you and your dad, and you have the power to break that cycle and have this whole new experience for generations to come. Or you might be a kid who's going to be like my son, where he grew up, in a great, healthy environment, and what's going to motivate him is is not being a curse breaker. He doesn't need to be. He gets to be a legacy keeper. And so he can say, you know, I I, I have the power, I have the responsibility to keep this legacy that was given to me. And that's just what I enjoy about it. You know, just the fact that I'm changing the world uh, through how I love and, and raise and train up my children. And there's something so redemptive about that. That's powerful, man. I like that. That's, that's awesome. Um, legacy keeper. That's, that's cool. That's a great way to look at it. Yeah. Um, do your kids have the opportunity to have a relationship with their grandfather? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, he, um, my dad, you know, he is involved in their life. Um, totally. I'm talking like every month, you know what I mean? We don't live too far from each other. My mom was dramatically converted, uh, in 2008. And so she's been sober for 12 years now. And awesome. because of that, there's a whole lot more stability with my parents. And that gives us a level of trust and comfort for them to really be in our kid's life. And my dad, um, he's, man, he's made a lot of progress in, in his addiction. He's he's not all the way there yet, but he's much more functional than he was uh, when I was growing up. And he has the heart of a servant and he's a kid at heart. So it's been redemptive for my mom and dad too, to, to be able to be so involved in their grandkids' lives and kind of make up for some of those lost opportunities they had with their son. Wow. That's cool. Well, I would imagine the Lord kind of worked through you to get to them too. Man, that's a yeah, that's another podcast there. It was remarkable. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, what kind of uh, challenges do you face being a dad? I know you, you, you know, you've got you're probably on the road a bit and, and all that, and that can be kind of a challenge. But but what kind of challenges? You know, we got we got challenges every day, Dad. You know, you've got to man up and, and tackle And One big challenge is, of course, to consistently love and honor their mom. I found that, especially with my teenage son, that's gone, uh, that goes such a long way. You know, your, your teenager can have a lot more forgiveness and and honor you a lot more when they've seen you consistently love and honor their mom. Um, Mm. But, you know, when when you're trapped in the house together all day and you're out of that regular rhythm, it's easier to to fall into getting easily offended and annoyed. And so just trying to make sure I'm communicating that honor. And and one of the biggest hurdles that, man, I want to say that I think I finally overcame uh, about six weeks ago, so very recent, the challenge was um, loving my teenage son, you know what I mean. Because I he he looks more much more like a man. You know what I mean. The dude probably has more facial hair than I do. <laughs> he looks much more like a man than than that little boy. And because I never saw what it looked like for a man to love a, another man, even though that man is his son, I never really. So I was st- trying to figure it out. You know. And I think there was this sense that I was kind of holding on to what things used to look like. It's like you kind of believe as a dad that your kid looks up to you because you're faster than they are. You're stronger than they are. You're smarter than they are. And they can't survive without you. And then as they become a teenager, I'll admit it, Julian got smarter than me. He's not faster Mm -hmm. than me. He might be a little bit stronger but I don't know he's taller than me he he outweighs me you kind of start to think am I still this kid's hero you know right. and you almost, I I got to be honest man I I was operating for the last couple of years from a place of insecurity which nothing ever comes good no, like nothing good ever ever comes from insecurity so maybe I was a little overly assertive right, right. kind of like that whole alpha male type of deal or I was overly critical to kind of say, Hey, you know, I still, I still got something, you know, you could learn from and things like that. And it kind of put us in this crazy cycle where he was feeling like, um, he didn't meet the mark and feeling like he wasn't doing a good job as a son. So then that's making him draw into himself and not communicate love and honor as much to his dad. And then boom, it just feeds into each other. So man, just, I, God, you know, convicted me and I realized, Hey, you can let up. Um, you weren't supposed to make, raise your kid in the image of you. You, you got to raise them hoping that they will look like the image of God, their creator. And, you know, sometimes our teenage teenagers can be very different than us. And Julian yeah. is very different. He's a different personality type. His passions are different. His gifting is different. And I looked, I looked at that like there was something wrong when it wasn't wrong. It was just different. And once I realized that, you know what? God needs him to be who he made him to be. He doesn't, the world doesn't need another, you know, Dylan Chase running around. And so just letting go of that aspect of me kind of being, like the one guy told me, we go from being our kids' cop <laughs> to their coach, to their counselor. And it was really hard for me to transition into just being a counselor for my 17-year-old and uh, once I made that and overcame that challenge, um, man, it has been a different world. I mean, he's he's hanging out in the living room more than his bedroom, you know what I mean? So that, mm-hmm. that's a good sign. He's, he's he's a joy to be around. And I think it's just because he's been so affirmed that we love him for him and, and that he just feels empowered just to be himself. And it's been good. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, the kids... Kids have we have to, we have to provide structure and discipline for them through their life. but it, at the same time, once they're old enough, we're expecting them to 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 kind of uh, fly the nest, right? We're expecting them to kind yeah. of go on their own, and uh, we want to make sure we raise them to the ability to be able to do that successfully, and uh, just just keeping control of them uh, even into their late teen years, keeping control over them uh, is just going to make them. Um, Become further distant from you, and so we have to be yeah. aware of that. That's cool. What way did your life change, and you became a dad? Now you became a dad as as a teenager. Um, Seventeen, so, um, yeah. Yeah, so it was a huge awakening to you, as far as uh, you know, your life's about to change drastically. But, um, in what way did it change when you became that dad? Of course, you know, being that it was, it kind of happened during. The most selfish part of the human experience, being a teenager. I mean, that's one of the most selfish times in your life, and everything changed. You know, you're not you're no longer living for yourself. Um, you're living for someone else. This this human life that is completely dependent on you, mm. and in a weird way, um, I, I don't want to say like I was completely ready for something like that. But it gave me a challenge and it gave me a chance, like I said earlier, it gave me a chance to create something new that I hadn't had growing up. And maybe this could be a new start, right. right? This could be the family I wanted, you know, I could start that family. So, man, you know, it. I want to say that I even when I had, when we had our second child when I was, uh, I think I was 25 years old, when we had our, our second child. I was able to even almost process it even more, even though I'd already been a dad for like eight years, Mm -hmm. but just being more of an adult that you kind of feel the gravity of it even more, right? Because you're just so ignorant (laughs) at 17 Mm -hmm. years old that I don't think I even, I think if I could have processed the gravity of it, I probably would have just lost it, you know? And uh, man, it's just every time we, we have another child, there's that realization again that, wow, this changes everything, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, you're right. And it's funny we grow up and we don't, we you know, we don't have a, a manual on how to be a dad. But a young dad like you, uh, the only thing you have to go off of are the experiences that you've had, and the experiences that you had weren't necessarily the best. So right. your ultimate goal was to provide an experience for your child that was way beyond the experience that you had, and it's kind of the same way for me. My parents were, were both around and very, very involved with me. But um, when it came to outside activities, sports and things like that, they weren't involved because they were working. They had uh, full-time mm-hmm. jobs and they just couldn't be there. So I always told myself when I was a teenager, I always told myself when I become a dad, I'm going to make sure I'm the most involved dad that I can be. And that's what I've done to this day. both my, I have two boys and both of them are, are older. One is 21 and the other one's 18. And since they were, you know, I've been involved in their lives in their, in their, for their entire lives, but, um, since they were, could play sports, um, I have been actively involved. I've been a coach on 95% of the teams that they've participated on. So it just gave me an opportunity to be that, be involved and and my young, that my was old motivator. Yeah. Your yeah. upbringing. Yeah. And it, it, exactly. And I always knew that that was what I wanted to do. And. My younger son, who just is about to graduate high school, um, finished his basketball his varsity basketball season in high school uh, a couple months ago and i have been the, I have been the assistant coach on his team for the last oh, couple of wow. years, so I've even got all the way up through high school, so um it's something that's cool for me that's to be awesome. to experience and um he'll they my boys will certainly never forget it, and I hope that it's an, it's a an experience that they will take on with their kids when they have kids, you know. Yeah, legacy keepers right there. Right, exactly. Um, now, when it comes to discipline, you've got kind of a wide range of of, of ages. Now, obviously, yeah. the discipline is going to vary. Uh, but how do you and your wife handle the discipline side of things? Well, one, you know, it's very important to have these discussions with your wife before you become parents to make right. sure that you're going to be on the same page. So that's one thing we try to do is make sure that we're in agreement. Right, So we're not, uh, like with Julian, oh goodness, he's just, he's a great young man. So we will very rarely have to, you know, what would really affect him is going to be like, you can't, you know, have your phone, you know what I mean? Something like that. Or video games, or, you know, you are going to be hanging out with your friend, but you're going to be staying home. Um, With our children, we've even found um, some of them respond. Now, one thing is like making sure that we respond to uh, their disobedience and not react to it, which -hmm. requires discipline. It's just a huge difference between reacting to something they did compared to responding to where, you know, you're you're not uh, emotionally charged up, you're able to, to respond to it. And, you know, for the most part, it's after that act of discipline occurs, um, our children are sitting up in our lap. You know what I mean? There's not this, it's not being divisive. It's it's being redemptive, and and we really try to center our discipline around a really simple gospel story. I mean, that might be crazy for some people, but we try to say, hey, you know, this is how God set up the world. Sin hurts. Sin brings destruction. But hey, the good news is Jesus took that pain of sin for us on the cross and rose up again, but what you're about to get is called the spanking. It's very light compared to what sin could really do, and this is just to be a reminder for you that sin hurts, and that worked great with Julian growing up. That worked great with Mamiya, and we had to discipline, you know, physically pretty rarely, but then with uh, our third child, Samara, she's like, bring it on. You know, we were so, <laughs> we, were, we were so shocked. are like, wait, we've done this with two kids. And that's when we learned that your playbook for one kid, no, it's not copy paste. Right. And we found out for her, um, sending her to her room and saying, "No, oh, you, you know, you're in timeout. Oh my goodness. That, that affects her a hundred times more than, you know, mm-hmm. uh, thinking you know on the bottom or anything like that so that's where we kind of learn to assess every kid and, and what how they respond to it how they receive it and then make sure that however you administer it that you're doing it in a responsive way not a reactive way Yeah. absolutely you cannot react to to their um to the to the misbehavior that they may be displaying or or the things that they've gotten you certainly have to respond in a way that um uh forceful but also um encouraging you know what I yes mean? and consistent too Consistency yeah is yeah absolutely well that's cool um now uh, kind of a hard question what do you what do you what do you wish you knew before you had kids that you know now oh yeah a lot of it kind of ties into what i talked about with my teenager and you know they're our first kid. They're our guinea pig. You know what I mean. So right. we uh, we we make our mistakes. We we learn. But I wish um, I wish someone told me to really cherish those moments, which we all kind of say it. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, cherish the moments. But if someone really said, hey, I want you to know that you're raising one human being that you're going to raise. Five different people, maybe more, in that one human being. They're, they're going to be mm. someone totally different at one year old, and they're going to be at five years old, and at twelve years old, and at fifteen. In that, I would embrace myself for the change. Um, I'm, there's certain areas in my life I don't like change. You know what I mean? I think about my wife. You know, I met her when she was about sixteen, and I was the same age. And you know, we've definitely still changed, but we haven't changed as dramatically as going from being a week old to being 17 years old, you know, and just, I wish someone would have told me um, to embrace, you know, and prepare yourself for the change and to not hold on too tightly because your kids are going to change, you know, and they're going to change quick, and it's like, sometimes I I wish I remembered, like, I wish I had a memory the last time I buckled Julian into his car seat, you know. All I was thinking of back then was like, oh, this is so annoying. I can't wait till he doesn't have to be in a car seat. Like, (laughs) I don't even remember being in the car seat when I was a kid. Like I don't know what the laws were back then, but I think I was just always in the back seat. And then now, in retrospect, I'm like, man, that, that would be. I wonder. Like there, there was a last time I buckled him in, into his car seat, but I have no idea when that was. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! Yeah, embrace the change for sure. That's, yeah. That's, yeah, they change, especially when they're when they're infancy. They, they're, I mean, they're changing daily then. Uh, oh yeah, but uh, <laughs> but their personalities will change. Teenage years to uh, early early adult years. Uh, even my older son, he's, you know, like I said, twenty one, he's still changing. I still see you know behavioral changes and things like that, and interests and things that that, um, that he goes on. And it's 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 cool to see. It's something that that's always memorable. Um, what do you? Uh, Dylan, what do you hope your kids say about you? Oh, man, I think um, I remember, and I don't know if one of my mentors told me this, but I remember thinking, you know, if if my kids were to describe me in five words, what would I want those five words to be? So boom, like lock that in. And then as you move forward, try to make sure you're living in such a way where they would say those five things about you. But I would hope my, I think the most important attribute that I hope my kids would say is that that I was patient. Um, Mm -hmm. Because uh, there's a verse in, I believe it's the book of Psalms, where it's talking about God's love and mercy and how it's, um, you know, as far as the East is from the West and it's given all these, you know, astronomical measurements that we can't even really measured, but then it says um that his patient is like a father's love to his children. And it's like it says as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. That's mm-hmm. Psalms one oh three, verse thirteen. And that is pretty it's almost scary that God points to us and said like when someone asks God, if someone says God like how are you compassionate to us? Hmm. The Lord would say, well, look at how a father shows compassion to his children. So, and I think with that compassion, patience is all in the mix of that. So I would hope that my, my kids would say that I was compassionate towards them and that I was patient. Well, that's great. Thank you. Uh, thank you for sharing that. It's, um, it's, compassion is, is certainly uh, something that we all hope our, our kids would say about us. Um, very cool. Uh, something that I like to ask all my dads is, um, if you had the secret to raising good kids, if you had to share it with me, what would that secret be? Oh man. I love how it's like singular. What would be secret be? What's, uh, you know, I'm a rapper, so I'm a words guy. I'm not trying to fit. You're probably realizing, <laughs> you know, I'm trying to fit in so many words. Um, I think, uh, one of the biggest secrets for me, would be, and this may seem kind of weird, but I'll I'll say this. If if you can't apologize to your child when they're three years old, it's going to be a lot harder to when they're 13. And uh, it's just the practice of, you know, here's the thing. Your kids, very quickly, they find out, probably before they even know how to talk, they find out that you're not perfect. And sometimes we want our, our our kids to not be aware of our weaknesses and our, our, you know, we want to be the superhero, man. Don't, don't bear that weight Because you know what, sometimes that just leads you to being so frustrated with yourself that you can't even, you can't even run the race. You don't even want to start it. And so even when it was Julian probably didn't understand what was going on when he was younger, it was like, you know what? I, I did react. He's three years old. He did this and I reacted. Hey, Julian, hey, man, I'm sorry. Or you know what? I I teased him. You know, I I teased him a little too hard. I'll never forget when, and I shouldn't laugh, right? It was bad. But I got to say, it was funny. And Julian still remembers. He was about four years old. And I told him, hey, Julian, you know, you could have every toy at the toy store. Really? Yes. Wow. I said, all you got to do is take your right hand and touch your right elbow. And man, for 30 minutes straight, this dude was about to dislocate his arm, trying to take his right <laughs> hand a touchback. And so finally, I just said, you know, Julian, it's impossible. And, and dude, he was so crushed, right? And that's kind of like a, an example that I'm willing to share because it's not that bad. But there's other times when it was like, man, you know what? I, like I exasperated my kids, like the Bible talks about. Like I really just teased them, went a little too hard on them. Hey, you know, I know a good secret, a good heartfelt apology, will go a long way. And when your your kid becomes a grown-up and they can look back and say, you know what I can say about my dad is, man, of course he's not perfect, but you know what? He apologized for his wrongs. There's some things in our life that we may still be waiting for someone to say sorry about. And yeah, we've moved on and we've chosen to forgive them, but how much easier is it when that person who's offended you gives a heartfelt apology? And it's just Closing up that that loop of offense and applying some healing to that wound, because there could be a whole lot of little things that you should have said sorry for that don't seem like a big deal now, but they can start to add up. And then you just find this wedge between you and your kid that you can feel it. Like you can just feel it when you're in the room with them. Man, that if you could make a practice of saying sorry often, it'll allow you more room uh, to have for them to have grace on you in the future.
0: Mm. Well, that's great. Uh, that's great. That's a funny story, too. Uh,
1: yeah. I have to, I'm going to have to try that out on my kids, even though they're, not, they're a little bit older, they may still fall for it. I <laughs> <laughs> do. One time I, I over, and now you got to remember, I'm like 20 years old, too. So
0: yeah.
1: I, I'm a kid myself. And like, I honestly, I know now that he accidentally like took some candy at Walmart, I think he was wanting to show it to me and then we almost walked out the store with it. Oh dude, we pulled up to the police station. I had him convinced that they were gonna come out to question him. <laughs> he's oh. four years old. I look back in the back seat, and he's just like ghostly white and he just starts wailing. Oh no, I don't wanna go to jail. I'm like, okay, uh, you know, I'm pretending like I'm on the phone with him. Yes, officer, he's out here. I'm like, oh dang it, I took this too far. Yeah, that's something I probably shouldn't <laughs> do with my next children. And he probably hasn't eaten any candy since. Never, never, no more candy.
0: <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. You know, we have to be able to apologize to our kids, but I think it starts with
1: apologizing to ourselves first. If we wow, don't have yeah. the ability to, if we don't have the ability to apologize to ourselves first. How can we express it to somebody else, right? So true. Yeah. Um, for my listeners that don't know where they can, you know, find you or look you up, um, give you an opportunity to kind of. Tell me, uh, tell my listeners where they can find you, where they can look you up. And then also, um, what do you have going on this year? I know we're kind of locked in right now. Yeah. But, um, so why don't you, oh, well you cool. do Thank you, about. you. Yeah, well, all my music, you can just find it under uh, Dylan Chase. It's on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, wherever you go. You need to talk to Siri. You need to talk to Alexa. My website is dylanchasemusic.com. And I spelled Dylan, D-I-L-L-O-N. So dylanchasemusic.com. That's just what my mom named me. So I didn't go with the fancy artist name. and just stuck with what my mom named me. And then Instagram is dylanchaseok. Okay. Facebook is also dylanchasemusic. And yeah, you can even look that up on YouTube. I put out a lot of content and even spoken word videos and even a, a lot of stuff of what life looks like on the road. You know, half the time I... I try to keep my family with me on the road uh, when I can, whenever we're driving places and so that um, we can experience that together as a family. So there's lots of cool, cool stuff there, too. And this year, um, I just released a project at the end of February called Try Again. And then this summer, I'll be working on my next project, which will be called Grounded. It'll Be a real, you know, redemptive album talking about making sure that we're anchored, that we're grounded in our relationship with Jesus so that we're not so easily shaken by this world around us, especially during times like right now, you know, so it's good to remain grounded. It's good for, for kids to see their dad and say, he's stable, he's steadfast, he's grounded. He's someone I can go to, um, and know that I can trust. So yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, I appreciate you sharing that.
0: Um, and as I said before, uh, it's been a huge honor for me and, and pleasure to talk with you. I appreciate you uh, chatting with me on Dad Up about your uh, experiences. And uh, I look forward to uh, staying in touch, brother. Awesome, man. Thank you. Thank you again to Dylan for talking with me on Dad Up. I'm sure you heard the love Dylan has not only for the Lord, but for his family. He is passionate and dedicated to being the role model his kids need him to be. There's no stopping his success as a rapper and as a dad. I'm excited to see where his music career takes him. Make sure you check out his music. I highly recommend it. Dylan represents the up community very well. Thank you, as always, for listening to the show. And as I said before, please subscribe. It is also so important to share the show with others. The only way the show continues to get noticed is if you're sharing and talking about it. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions for guests or would like to be a guest yourself, Please let me know. You can message me on my Instagram page at daduppodcast or email me at daduptribe at gmail.com. As always, I'm your host, Brian Ward. Thanks for listening. This is Dad Up.